0: The Tea Health Show, your medical lifestyle podcast, brought to you by the Tea Clinic. Good morning, I'm Dr. Mark. This is the Tea Health Show. And um, uh, today we're going to start a series on male aesthetics. So I've been um, stupid enough to put myself in the hot seat. And I've invited our producers and um our expert um, host Chris Ehrman-Smith and Dante Lodonti to um come and talk to me about male aesthetics. So um, guys, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be back and it's lovely to be here in the studios. Okay. Thank you. St. was sitting there with a very evil grin on her face because usually I'm the one that asks a question. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, Male aesthetics, um, you guys, um, asked me to, to talk. So let's, let's go.
1: Can I kick off with, um, not necessarily male aesthetics, but aesthetics in general? What got you interested in aesthetics? And you could have been a general practitioner. You could have done anything really, but you went the aesthetics route.
0: You know, it's actually a bit of a funny story. Um, when I finished, my degree and my internships and um, my registrar um, years, I decided, okay, fine, it's time for a bit of a break, and I took what was supposed to be a three-month uh, sabbatical before I went into my own specialization practice um, and traveled to the States and um when I was there, you know what, uh, a poor student ran out of money and started um working in medicine and I ended up with a dermatologist that specialized in um aesthetic treatments in Miami. And I ended up working in Miami and Los Angeles for two years. Um as I was bumming my route, my way around um, the States and every time I ran out of money, which was weekly. I had to go back and work a little bit. Okay. Um And when I came back to South Africa, um, I had to make the decision, do I go into ops and gyne practice or do I do something else and I decided to do aesthetics? So I've been doing it now for 22 years.
1: Okay. Uh, and and as, uh, Chris, I think you'll agree with me, uh, Mark has a pretty good reputation in the field of, of aesthetics. Oh, absolutely. absolutely, me know. When you
0: talk to anybody, and I do often, um, they, they say he's, you know, who to go to, who's the go-to aesthetics doctor in Joburg? And it's Mark. So Mm -hmm. it it really is worthwhile, you know, guys, thank you. Leave that to me. But no, it's, it's true, Mark. And, and I, and I know you, I know you hate being flattered, but the point, the point is that, um, you are so well known for the treatments that you're giving and, and the hope that you're giving to, um, male patients in particular and now i'm hearing from my female friends as well the the stuff
1: that you're doing which is amazing and i mean you're part of the topics i'm glad you said male and female because i wanted to ask you mark um do you have a preference for what kind of face you you work on male or female
0: no actually i don't um not the kind of face the kind of patient yes um, i have to be honest um, treating men, especially when it comes to aesthetics, is um far easier to manage personalities and expectations than it is to to manage uh, w- women um, Men generally want to just look uh, uh good for their age um, for women it it often becomes something a little bit more. Um, one of the things that I realized many, many years ago is when we started doing Botox treatments in for women. Um, you know what you do Botox for a couple of reasons. Either you are in um, an executive position where it's required of you to look good. Um, you know what you have your own career. Um, and. Um, they have a lot of money to spend uh, on themselves, on their outfits, and what they look like, how they present themselves in a boardroom, etc., etc. Because it was necessary. Um, and then you had the um housewife of the rich um executive yeah. who had to um do her aesthetic treatments because her husband was. Um, stripping the secretary, and, you know, like, who was 10 years or 15 years younger than her, and she had to keep up. So, um, when it comes to men, um, you know, I do find that it's a little bit different. Men, um, used, uh, your neurotoxins in, uh, you know, in layman's terms, we refer to, we refer to it as Botox for the simple reason either they were told. In the boardroom or in the office, but they're always angry and Um but that has started to change um yeah i I think uh, you know as I said, I've been doing this for twenty two years, and in the past, I would say um, ten years, maybe with the emergence of the microsexual males uh you know that perception started changing. Um, it's, it's not just how you present yourself and how you look in the boardroom, but also outside of that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, it, you started with social media and all the, uh, trans males on the, or whatever you want to well, them, because I really do not understand that topic. some people stomach smiling, you know, that <laughs> for me, that's a very difficult place to navigate. Um, and I, I, I do think. That what we are seeing on um, social media, on the TV, um, is so far removed um, from the real world. I was, um, for instance, sitting in a meeting with, um, with the head of Galderma's um, Africa uh, Middle East uh, Canada and Europe, um, marketing manager. And um, I, I see to him when I look at uh, what them as a company, Galdona as a company, is putting out there, um, is definitely not applicable to the South African market for the simple reason what they had on the video reels And I think you saw this. Was young guys quite effeminate, um, with, um, shadow. And it, it, so it, it and we're that whole material sort of, a lot. yes. And you know, it was throwing a scarf and looking at the camera. and was, it, it it's like the ultimate, it, it, and it's, it's not what we are seeing mm. in South Africa. And South Africa, I think. Um, males are still conservative and are more of, of uh, a male kind of thing. And, um, yeah, understanding the difference and the need and the want of your patient is so incredibly important for you to be able to treat them successfully. Um, because in, I I always tell my patients for following thing. Um, if I don't have a very good understanding of what your expectations is out of the treatment or at the end of the treatment protocol or treatment plan, um, you know, no matter how good the work is that I've done and how good you look, if this is not what you had in mind, the treatment has failed. Mm. Um, and you know what I would be. The guy that couldn't treat you or didn't make you look the way that you want just because, uh, you know, it either the expectations were wrong. And I think that when we look at the younger practitioners, it's one of the biggest pitfalls that, um, they face and actually fall into. Um, it's something that comes with experience. It's not just the aesthetic guy. It's a relationship.
1: But how do you? Sorry, Chris. Um, but how do you overcome um, unrealistic expectations that are clearly created by social media? Um, it it all boils down to
0: the assessment of a face and making uh, the correct diagnosis. Um, unrealistic expectations come um, when someone has seen something and they have a certain. Uh, M- morphology in the face. It, this is how they look. And suddenly they want to change that and uh, uh, be something else. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I often say to patients, you know what? I do work with a syringe, not a magic wand. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I, I can't change, um, your complete look. Um, and that's where things go wrong. How often do we see, um, and, Oh my God, have you seen that celebrity and what they look like now? You know, it's the whole Madonna thing. Many years ago, it was, um, uh, that girl that was in Bridget Jones. What's her name? Uh, um, oh. oh, gosh. Yes. That's um, true. it was her. And then you have Simon Cowell, for instance. And you know, I don't recognize him. I uh, said, so Peter, it's, so you take a face. If you really want to look at someone whose work has been done impeccably, you look at someone like Sher. Sure. My God, you know, but for the past 70 years, she's, she's, she's looking exactly the same. Yeah. You look at someone like Jane Fonda. They have work done. You can see it and I can point it down, but you know, they straight true to themselves. Um, if you look at the Kardashians, for instance, Um, you know, but from where we started knowing them, um, and especially the big one, Chloe, Chloe, is it Chloe? The one, the one, yeah, 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 um, she's, um, uh, she, she's a completely different person. I actually looked at a picture of her this morning, funny enough, it was the comparison and it's chalk and cheese. In a good way or a bad way? I think in a bad way because I, I, I don't think, I don't think she looks like she should look. I it's it's it looks false, it looks fake. Um whereas when she was slightly curvier and had all she had a character that worked for me rather than this blandness. Yeah. So you know what, it, it it's something that we battle with. Now um I am a, a local mentor trainer. I'm um, sitting on the uh galdoma training academy. I'm the Um, head of, um, a thought leaders group, which includes plastic surgeons, ophthalmic surgeons, dermatologists, aesthetic practitioners. I head up my own mentor group for doctors. Um, I practice both here as well as abroad. And, um, when we, when we train or when I train doctors specifically, it's all about, um, getting your patient in, understanding what it is that your patient want, making a diagnosis. We are doctors. If you're an aesthetic practitioner, you went through med school. Mm. So you need to be able to make a diagnosis of what the underlying conditions are, which includes not only anatomy, facial anatomy, um, physiology, etc., etc. But if you can't make that diagnosis, you cannot design a treatment protocol. So unrealistic expectations come when you're sitting with a diagnosis um and you know what, what you have available in your arsenal um does not allow you to uh, get to the point where the patient want um one of the things and this is why I say it's often easier um to treat men And it is to treat women because we tend to see far less body dysmorphia Mm. um, in men than we do in women. It's the same with black um, uh, versus Caucasian patients and Indian patients. For me, the most difficult patients to treat are actually the Indians. Mm. Besides the fact that they always ask for this guy. Um, Stop laughing since it's true. So just one of the things, I mean, I've, I've been a patient of yours and I've been a patient of other people before. And for me, the success of a treatment once I've been to you is when people see me and they say, have you just been on holiday? You're looking so much more relaxed. You're looking fresher somehow. I have made a uh, sort of peace with this look. I've, you know, and, and the fact that I'm aging, I'm nearly 60. And, but if I can look fresher, that always to me is very successful and a successful treatment. Yeah. You know what, Chris? I think that's incredibly important. Um, there's that old saying that we should grow old gracefully. Yes. Have grace in growing old, but you don't have to look, um, your age. But act your age. Yes. I, I, I think that's the difference in growing old gracefully. Absolutely. Um, Jade Fund is a perfect yeah. example. Of that. We, yeah. we, we do not need to be lined and wrinkled and saggy and volume depleted and ex, et cetera, et cetera. Um, one of the things that we are dealing with in the practice, uh, a lot is weight loss and mm. the unrealistic expectations people have on weight loss. And one of the things that we have to address with the new weight loss medications that are out on the market, um, and you will see this if you go and look at social media, um, uh, just go and take a look at Ozempic, an Ozempic face, um, where that rapid weight loss creates so much um, volume loss in the face that the face suddenly looks old and haggard and everything sags and the patient actually looks ill. Um so it's it's understanding uh what happens. Um what we are going to do in the series um is we're going to um explore the aging phase. What is it that happens in the face that causes the signs of aging? Now, lines, wrinkles, sagging etc, etc is signs of aging mm. um so if you don't understand what um is causing the problem, in other words, if you cannot make the correct diagnosis um and explain that to your patients in language they understand um and then address the problem with what you have available in your arsenal as an aesthetic practitioner or have a all to say to the patient, you know what, this is what I can do for you, but what you do need is more of a surgical intervention or a dental intervention um, rather than a treatment. Um, it's, it's taking Mrs. Potato Head. Um, <laughs> with a very weak chin. Yeah. Um, and putting lips on her. What, uh, you know, it, it's all about assessing the face and understanding mm-hmm. the dynamics of the face. Um, and what, what is responsible for enhancing the face, but not changing. When it comes to men, Mark and the male, male aesthetic. Where do you where do you go to? Because I mean, I'm sagging more more and more, you know, and 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 I'm feeling, and I've got these what are these nasolabial lines? The lines that run from the corner of your nose down to your mouth, and I mean, those are deepening heavily. I, I I can see that my eyes are drooping and stuff like that, and it's 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 a it's a process. But but how how would you address that sort of thing? Well, actually, it's a great question to ask because let's start with making the diagnosis. Mm. Um if we go into anthropology, um you would have an anthropologist pick up a skull um in the middle of a desert and that anthropologist, after a little bit of examination, would say to you, This is a male or a female of this age or that age. Mm. So um the aging face, um you age from the bone. Okay. That's the first thing that happens. We have changes to the structure of your bone. So if we look at your, your face in a young male, and here we're looking something between 20 and 30, um, that face has, um, if we start at the top, nice bossing or, pre- um, a, a prominent brow with round eye sockets now as we age those sockets start changing and they become more oval and even square right which creates volume under the eye which is not filled with anything right now um your zygoma these are the cheekbones if you think of the skull that's the bone that sticks out laterally um That zygoma starts flattening as well. So, and when I mean flattening, the width starts decreasing. Right. So which takes away the prominence in the cheek. If we now look at the skull from the front, your malar area, this is the area under the eye Mm. starts recessing backwards. Um, which is creating flatness and volume loss under the eye area. Now, the other thing that happens with bone aging is the dramatic change in the shape of your mandible. So the mandible is your jawbone, right. that loose piece of bone. Um, and this is what creates the jawline. Now, not only does the angle of the mandible start becoming bigger, in other words, instead of a nice 90 degree angle um, like you have in that guy, the place Superman God, handsome um it becomes a, um, a, it opens up uh, so that angle becomes bigger and that takes away if you look at the height of the mandible, mm. so that's from the bottom to your teeth that height of the mandible starts thinning, it decreases. So um this is where you think of an older person who doesn't have teeth in, you know, they have this very weak mm. um bottom third on the face. Um as well as change in the chin. Um when we look at the male um mandible specifically, it's very square. Yes, um, it, it runs down almost, uh, perpendicular to, to, uh, the floor where as we get older, the angle starts changing. And this is when the chin starts rotating upwards. So you have a shortening and a decrease in both definition and size mm-hmm. in the bottom third of your face, so that's just the bone. I was just going to say because then obviously the skin, does, because you you lose is a collagen that uh, and and elasticity in the skin. So so that's what causes the externals. Uh, like well, uh, you know, but even way before we get there, we'll yeah. get to the collagen part <laughs> because it's incredibly important. Yeah, men don't think about collagen, but. On top of your skull, you have support structures in the form of fat pads. Right. So you have deep fat pads and one of the most important uh, couple of fat pads that you have are the fat pads that sits around the eye. And you have five fat pads around your eyes, three at the top and two at the bottom. And then in this malar area next to your nose, you have a very big um, fat pad as well as your buckle fat pads. So the buckle fat pads sits here in your, in your cheeks. Uh, the soft part in your cheeks, that's your buckle fat pad. So those fan pads with time start deflating and disintegrating. Um, as that bone starts recessing, that fat pad also starts moving downwards, mm. and that creates the sagging. So, number one, you have the changes in the bone and the volume loss of the fat bag. Um, if we now look at your overlying structures, and this is your muscles and your ligaments, we have four ligaments in the face, and the ligament is something that runs from a bony implantation through to another implantation, and in the face, it's an implantation to the skin. Mm. Now, Ligaments don't really stretch, but they do displace. Why? Because the, the points of where they plant in Mm. are moving closer or further apart. So, you know, it's that thing where you, where you take a a piece of string that's attached to, um, um, two fixed points, but you, you start moving the points apart or closer to one another. back right. ligament becomes lax, okay. um, so that creates tissue displacement. And then, on top of all of that, you sit with superficial fat. Ions. Now, these superficial back fat bands are the ones that react and change as we lose weight or when we gain weight. So, in someone that's carrying. Weight, they often look far less wrinkled right. than someone who, um, you know, it has a low bone fat, say so that don't crack. And then on top of that, you have your skin and your skin is made up of 90% collagen. Mm. So as we age from your twenties, collagen start decreasing by 1% per year. Okay. So when you are 50, you have twenty percent less collagen in your skin than you had when you were twenty or thirty, yeah yeah so the lack of collagen the loss of collagen um causes changes in the appearance of the skin this is where we found form lines and wrinkles the thickness of the skin starts decreasing um there's sagging why because the, the three-dimensional support structure in the skin itself which is actually quite thin mm-hmm. is disintegrating it's no longer there um as well as the three-dimensional um changes that's happening to the underlying structures of the skin so you know and if you need to i was just still king, i'm going to slip my wrists
1: that's it done
0: so, and, and this is why it becomes important, um, you know what? To understand the aging process in the face, um, one of the things that, uh, for me was so incredibly insightful is one of my dear dear friends, um, and she's the head of Caldova's medical affairs, um, Dr. Vivan Jandera. She's a renowned plastic and reconstructive mm. surgeon and. She started a, a training academy called MasterMed. Um and I, as um, a very advanced and experienced injector, I went and attended her anatomy course, which was um, actually aimed at beginner doctors, right? Um, and when we study anatomy um, as medical students, your anatomy is static. Mm, um, you have a cadaver that's dead, that's been filled with latex vessels and things like that, and you cut them out. Um, when we do um, ac- um, anatomy courses as aesthetic practitioners, we use fresh cadaver heads that's just been um, thawed. So, um, and to share you, inject in a plane, but again, this is a a static, dead person. Um, And one of the things that I'm so incredibly passionate about as a trainer is getting the doctors who I train to understand that when we think about anatomy in the face, we need to think of the anatomy as a dynamic thing. Um, you know, but all the muscles in the face is actually in one layer. Um, and Chris, I think, uh, you know, one of the first things that you realized when I injected you in your mid cheek is what, oh my God, there's a change to my brow. How yes. does that happen? Um, or there's a change in my neck. Uh, why? It's because, you know, it, all these, all these muscles are actually just one layer and what you do in one muscle or in one layer of the face affects everything else. Right. Um, and this is incredibly important. And this is something that's evolving. Um, our understanding of dynamic facial anatomy, um, is improving. And this is, this is what, um, is giving us changes in the aesthetic industry at the moment. Um, but again, this takes time, it takes experience. You need to understand what you're doing
1: and what Okay, I'm going to change the subject slightly and just to cheer us up a little bit because that's just uh, way too depressing. I mean without uh, male. <laughs> exactly. Um Mark. What constitutes a handsome male face? I mean must there must have been studies done on this kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it was very interesting. There was a survey that was done amongst women, and it was a worldwide survey, very big, um, amongst all ethnicities, all age groups. And um, it was a male face that was older, someone in their 40s, 50s, um, line, mm, um, tanned, gray hair. Um, very strong nose, strong horizontal brow, nice wide space between the eyes, a strong angled jaw. For a simple reason, women felt that that is the guy that is going to step up, um, in a crisis, uh, for them. That's the one that, um, embodies trust and masculinity. Now, if we look at, um, different population groups, um, the Asian, um, especially, um, East Asia, um, it's, all about feminizing the face. Yes. We, as your Caucasians, it's all about masculines, uh, masculinizing the male's face to make it more attractive. And it's, it's, it's that chin, nose, eyes, jawline. Right. But, um, a, a man who shows character. So I, I so often have guys that come in and say that they want Botox or neuromodulators or dysfunction, um, done. And I say to them, okay, show me where. And, uh, you know, the wives comes with them because it's usually the wives that the driving force behind that. And they say, but you'd have to treat the crow's feet, the lines around the eye. And I say, no, they know it. That's the last place where you should actually, uh, treat a guy. If we think of those classically handsome guys, Sean Connery, George Clooney, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Uh, Dreamy, whatever his name is from, you know uh, what, from Grey's Anatomy, yeah. saying how, yeah. um, lines around the eye area, extending down onto the cheek, um, that actually makes them look better. Yeah. I think a a place for a neuromodulator in a guy is really um the frown and those are those angry lines that form between the eyebrows, those elevens that form. Why? Because you know what um it makes you look angry and unapproachable is specifically in the workplace. Yeah. Um if we if we look at the frown lines um that's the lines on the forehead for horizontal lines on the forehead <clears throat> I do think that having overly deep uh resting lines um you know it is aging in the face but you definitely do want movement in the face no one wants to look like well when they first came up I when mean, uh, uh Botox first came out, people all went for this absolute no movement of the forehead, and it just looked terrible, especially in men. Especially men, women, yeah. Women can get away with, yeah, but but men, it was like horrible. Yeah. So some people in African men, um, do you think there's black don't crack? We know that, yeah. About- Blacks don't crack, and this is one of the things that I pointed out. Is it because we use lotion? No. It's actually, um, the quality of your skin, the, uh, but, but, skin on, um, skin time fits batteries, fines and sixes. This is your Africa and West African mm-hmm. people have a far thicker skin, um, than Caucasians. So. Also, you know what I I do think that environmental factors, specifically sun exposure, also plays a role there, um, because of the damage that UV radiation has on collagen. Yeah. So, um, but it 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 really is, um, you know what? Understanding the face, what is going to make the face more handsome. When I start with a consultation in my practice, I Park my patients in front of the very big middle. You've all seen that there are everyone exit. And I say to the patients, okay, so I'm putting you in the middle of four ways mold. And what I'm doing is I'm asking, uh, people to walk past you. And as you're standing there, I'm, I'm asking them, tell me what this patient's face is. Telling you, in other words, what is the emotional response that um, other people get when they look at you? Do you look angry? Do you look sad? Do you look tired? Um, because what other people see when they look at you and what you see and the emotional response that your face is giving you when you look in the mirror is very often completely different, Right. Um, and again, referring to males, um, you know, when I started treating males back in the early 2000s, um, it was the executives that were sitting in the boardroom. Yeah. And you know what? Um, they came and they said, but you know what? Uh, people are scared of me. Yes, they are because you have such a scowl on your face. Well, but I'm not angry or I'm not scowling. Yes, by that and then resting Hmm. that is your resting facial expression and that is creating resting lines, which by the way is creating changes in the bug. Yeah. Um so when we address that, um hyperdynamic muscles, etc, etc. Um, you know what people will react. To you differently when they see you in the film, right? So, um, understanding emotional beauty, not only your own perception, but the perception that other people have of you is so important. And I think this is one of the reasons why we are moving towards a more natural look. Um, where you sit in a restaurant and someone comes in and, Oh my God, what the hell has she done to her face? Yes. It's, it's that thing. Um, so, you know, that's incredibly important for us to understand. Newer treatments that are coming out on the market, which is, by the way, my, my favorite, favorite treatment. And according to me, the biggest thing that has happened in aesthetic treatments in probably the past 30 years yeah. is biostimulators. Um, and here I'm referring to a pure biostimulator like sculpture. Um, as would the, you explain that, that term biostimulator quickly? So a biostimulator is something that, um, will elicit a, uh, cellular response right. when it's injected in, into the face. Um, okay. so, you know, you're stimulating the, uh, or changing. The normal biology of the face. So biostimulators, um, these three on the market, uh, actually, no, let me rephrase that. These one on the market, which is a pure biostimulator. And this is in the Geldoma portfolio. And it's called sculpture. Now it's been around for, um, almost 20 years, 17 years that it's been, um, used in aesthetic medicine. And then you have your hybrid fillers, which contains a bit of a biostimulatory effect. But, you know, and according to me, you cannot group these two in the same class Um because they have different effects and you use them differently. Now, for me, the, the use of the biostimulator has changed uh, my practice specifically for a simple reason. Um, by restoring natural volume, laxity, elasticity, you address sagging in a male face. So um, you do not change the face. You just turn back the time. So you right. don't change the facial features. You just look far more refreshed. Your skin is clearer. It's less lined. It's rest wrinkled. It's nice and
1: tight. It's not sagged. Yeah, but sorry to interrupt. Doesn't age have something to do with it? Because if you say 60, um, you're not going to respond to a biostimulator in the same way that you would if you're 30, surely. No, unfortunately, or fortunately, Vance wrong. Oh, okay.
0: Um, the body has the ability to produce collagen throughout its lifespan. But if we look at collagen production, um, we need to understand where it's coming to from. The cells that produce collagen is called a fibroblast or a osteoblast or some of them. Never understood those blasts, but yeah. <laughs> so a fibroblast is, um, a cell that repays tissue. Now, as we age, the activity of fibroblasts starts decreasing right out of the number. Okay. So it's these factories that start decreasing output. So go on a third, a three day work week type government. <laughs> um, sorry, I know that you're in government <laughs> and that's all out so true. Um, so the amount of collagen and being the quality of collagen that you produce starts decreasing. But when you re stimulate, and reinvigorate those cells, you start producing good quality as well as quantity of fiber um, collagen again. Now, there's lots of different types of collagen. The collagen that we want is type 1 collagen. It's basically baby collagen, and it's got a three-dimensional structure. We collagen type 3, for instance, is scarring collagen. So if you think about a wound that's healing, or a scar that formed because of acne, um, these collagen bands that is connected to the skin and the underlying tissue. We, you had that cyst or that pimple or whatever, and that is type three collagen, and it's a rope-like structure, right? We pulls in one direction. So the biostimulator sculpture, for instance, produces pipe one collagen, which is collagen that is, uh, um, literally like, um, a spider's web, but not your orb spider vent. That yeah. is a, a two dimensional. It's a three dimension. It, it goes in all directions and that creates support through the skin. Wow, this sounds like it's it's a, uh, I mean, literally almost the biggest thing since Botox came on the market. To in, in my opinion, it is. Oh. Okay, it's definitely changed my practice. Um, I'm one of the biggest users of that product in the country, and also one uh, probably the one man's been using it for longest. Right. When um, Sculptra was launched, Sculptura was actually just launched last year in March. But as, uh, Geldola identified, um, trainers and a, a, a very select group of doctors, I think we were about 10, right, across, across the, the country, uh, across the country, who, um, was to bring the product back to market. Remember, I said this is a product that's been Um, on the market for 17 years and just to let you know what's in the product, it's lactic acid, poly lactic acid. So if you think about lactic acid, lactic acid is something that we get from burning or fermenting sugar. So it's completely natural. If you exercise that stiffness that you feel in your muscles is because of the buildup of lactic acid and that creates an inflammatory response Mm. so that the muscle can repair itself. Right. Um, and this is what we use. So we use polyalactic acid, which is, um, dispersed in sterile water. And when we inject it into the skin, what it does is it creates a controlled inflammatory reaction, which then through natural humoral response, um, cellular response, in other words, um, Reinvigorates your fibroblasts, um, and causes the migration of fibroblasts into the area. Um, it's literally a healing process of, of the skin. And it's something that you can use throughout your life. So, um, I've treated patients with sculpture in my practice
1: deep in the seventies mm-hmm. with phenomenal results, but how often uh, say a man comes into your practice and he's 60 and he hasn't had any face work done, how often would he need to use that, that treatment? Um, and is it a fairly costly treatment? Well,
0: you know, we can talk about a, a, a biostimulator treatment, for instance, a sculptural treatment. Now, um, when we talk about that, um, the rule of thumb is that you do a treatment for each decade of life. So if you're in your 60s, um, a treatment is generally accepted to be one vial, right? Um, so you're going to do six vials, but over um, probably a year's time, if not longer. So that would be little be every second month you would go. Yes. Uh, um, um, with w- what we need to understand of collagen formation, collagen formation is something that happens over time, um, and. The beauty about this this product is that it's, number one, organic. It's completely bio-compatible because you're using lactic acid um, and water. That lactic acid particles, that polylactic acid particles, breaks down into carbon dioxide and water, unlike the fellow, which leaves something behind which we can see on an MRI scan, yes. Um, or if we do a biopsy, you often see years down the line. You can still see does it all to the Yeah. Um it's a foreign it's basically a foreign body. Yes, it's made from hyaluronic acid, but it's synthetic hyaluronic acid, um which forms part of your extracellular matrix. But collagen is natural, it's the body's own structure that repairs. So that starts happening after 28 days, but it's ongoing. So not only does a biostimulatory treatment, a, bio-st- a treatment with biostimulators, and here I'm calling it by name, Sculptra, not, not your fillers, which um, gives a degree of biostimulation. Um, Where was I going with that? Okay, I don't know, but in any case. Um, but I think that, you were, you, I think that, you were talking about, I think you were talking about the, the build up and to, uh, what you're saying. There's there's so the cumulative thing. on that, that. it's, it's cumulative and progressive and incredibly long lasting. Yeah. So, okay. Dante, both you and Chris have had hyaluronic acid fillers. What was your um, problem that we, that you saw with fillers? The moment I treat you, um, you said, Oh my God, this looks great. And then six weeks later, you say, but it's all gone. Yeah. With your sculpture treatment, because it's your body's own natural collagen. Um, when we look at after you've completed your treatment protocol, back, let's say a guy in his forties or in his sixties, those six treatments, two and a half years after you've completed your, your, your complete course, um, n- More than 80% of patients say that they are still extremely satisfied, um, with the results and they will do another one. Yeah. And this is what's groundbreaking. And this is something that you can incorporate. Often we, we see patients, they have done neurotoxin after neurotoxin. So, you know, the face is not moving. It's shining they have fillers, but they have sagging, Mm. Um, and uh, you know, previously, the only way that we could treat sagging in the lower part of the face was by creating volume in the top part of the face. So this is where you have these overfilled cheeks and overfilled cheekbones, and we did that to try and lift the jowls and the neck. So now you have a treatment that will Create the lifting effect, the support structure in the face without it causing volumization. And this is what's so beautiful for me. Um, men lose volume and you have to address that volume loss because of the changes in the bone and the cause of the changes in the fat back, but you have to treat the skin. Yeah. So, and this is not, uh, you know, we're not treating the appearance of the skin with the pore size, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. yes, it does address that to a far better degree than the traditional treatments of skin peels and creams and stuff like that. So this is literally treating the skin um, and the face from the inside by reversing the aging process, which is the loss of collagen. And, and just a quick question that's come to mind, there will be very little downtime around. There's no downtime, which is great. You can go in Euro downtime. You can go in your lunch hour. Yes. Have it done. And back. no one will know that you've had a treatment done. Actually, um, one of the, the drawbacks of, um, the sculpture treatment is that you only start seeing the results after a couple yeah. of months. Um, Often in today's society, especially in our younger patients, um, they want instant results. It was very interesting. The, um, surveys were done again worldwide and, uh, it was, um, mostly amongst women. We, we asked, um, you know, what, what is the aesthetic treatment outcomes that they are looking for? And it's changed dramatically. Now we want, um, uh the result that's number one, natural looking. Right. That's gradual and onset. And that's long lasting. Um when I started in practice, and still today I have so many women that come into my practice and say, Yeah, but my husband doesn't know that I'm doing this. Oh my God, you know what? How unobservant is he? Um and suddenly uh you have no wrinkles, and three months down the line. You know what? Uh, when you smile, there's definitely a lot of movement in your face, but you know, my husband doesn't know about this and he mustn't know about this. So now, now we have a treatment where you can do this. Um, it's natural. It's long lasting. Um, and gradual in onset. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds mir- like a miracle and what is needed. Okay. So Saberia is already giving me the lasso today. Simps, um, you need to go to bed because you're gonna make everyone around you sick. <laughs> Ask me because I was in bed for three days last year day with um first one one flu that's going around. Um Okay. Um so we're going to uh continue in the next uh two weeks. On male aesthetics, uh, what we are going to look at is how do I start that journey? Um, am I the patient that is, is, or can benefit from it? Um, and you know, it, it all boils down to assessment of a face. And you know, I think it's something that. I would like to go into more detail yeah. because it will give you, the patient, a far better understanding of what is possible, what are the signs, what is detracting from me doing, looking um the best I can without changing who I am and who other people see me because the moment that you change a face, um, you know, and uh people will react to you differently. Uh Dante, you've heard me say this and Chris, you've heard me say this so many times. Um, if I do a patient on a treatment and anyone can tell me exactly what it is that I have done, I feel as if I haven't done the treatment um as well as it should have been done. It should look natural. Um you should look could not look different. <clears throat> so, absolutely. Okay. Guys, um, Chris, thank you for coming um, in, taking time. It's such a pleasure. It was great to have you in the studio. Great to be back. You and I have done these conversations many, many years ago. Yes. Uh, in far more detail. But as you heard, things have changed. But the matric- so it's yeah. dramatically, so dramatically so we can give patients a far better result. Um and it's all about understanding the underlying condition, your patients' wants and needs. And um uh, you know what, if you want to know more about this, um, mm-hmm. contact us at Doctor Mark Aesthetics. We are based in Bryanston. Um our phone number is 010-824-1393. Thank you very much. Until next week, uh, we wish you uh, good, all the best in health. Uh, stay safe. That was the T Health show, empowering you with knowledge. Download all previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The T
1: Health show is brought to you by T Clinic.